so welcome back to this week's episode. Um, uh, it's a pretty emotional one on my behalf as I dive into the, in- as I dive into the intrics- <laughs> intricacies. <laughs> My brain's on summer mode. <laughs> no, it was just funny. It was just like the juxtaposition of you being like, it's been a very emotional episode. I'm diving into the... In- <laughs> <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with words. <laughs> I know what they are. I can't say them. It's a common problem. Okay. I am diving into the intricacies... Ding, ding, ding. Of um, parental anxiety. If you have children... And have anxiety, you could relate to probably a lot of the stuff that I'm saying. And hopefully um, it could be a guide to the beginning stages of not uh, living this way. Jamie, who um, also has similar thoughts, but with different, um, not with children, but with just things in life. So I don't think it's, uh, you'll only relate if you have kids, but it is pretty specific to that. So um this is kind of my before episode, and then hopefully weeks from now, I can come back and say, I'm healed. Oh, amen. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Welcome to One Fry Short, you know, of a happy meal. I'm Jamie Spielmaker. And I'm Rachel Wynn. We're just two women having candid and empathetic conversations about mental health and how we can support each other. We are not experts. Not even close. But if you want to feel less alone in your neuroses, you've come to the right place. Welcome back. Rachel's back. I'm back. And we say I'm back because I've been through the hell of summer with two kids. (laughs) I was supposed to do an episode last week. And I, like, A, could not think of a topic because I was so in the throes of having both kids home that I was like, I can't even think of something right now because I'm getting by minute by minute. But I also rescheduled us. So I think that threw things. I'm so glad you did. (laughs) Oh, you did? You were? pulling at straws. Weeds? Pulling at... Nope. I was in the void grasping at straws to be like, what could I talk about? Yeah, but I'm glad fine. because I feel a lot more confident about what we're going to talk about today. But I had, I wanted to kick it off by saying, I, I mean, I feel like, um, I feel like my brain is not working, so you're going to have to forgive me. Um, what's the person that has two faces? I feel like, you know, in um, Jekyll and Hyde, Jekyll and Hyde, or like in The Nightmare Before Christmas. When, thank you, when I nervous play with my water cap, um, when the mayor is happy and then he's like, Jack, where are you? And his like face turns deep. That's how I am during summer because it's, there are really hard moments of the kids not really being in a routine. Um, but there's really fun moments of us playing in the pool and having popsicles and getting to do all the fun stuff you remember from your childhood, your childhood. Yeah. Um, and it made me think about like, what fond memories do you have of summer? Oh, <laughs> okay. This is my summer routine. Mm-hmm. It's like seared into my brain. Okay. I would wake up in the morning and I would eat two hot dogs. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Yeah. And then I would watch an episode of Matlock. I don't know what that is. It is an old foggy detective show. Who are you? Uh, How old, old were you? 10, oh 11. 
Then I would play in the pool from 10 to 10, essentially. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'd eat a couple more hot dogs. <laughs> you survived on hot dogs. I did that and- every day during summer. I promise you. Would you boil them? No, I microwave like a true them. old person? No, I microwave them. Oh, yeah. Um, there was that. And then, I mean, that is really the most vivid summer memory. Did you do camps? You know, I really wasn't a camp gal. What's your summer memory? Um, I remember going to swim team in the mornings oh. and walking there and just smelling, you know, the grass in the morning when oh. there's like dew on it. For some reason that core not, memory, not surprising that a memory of nature <laughs> It's nice. Is like in my head. But like, I remember just walking there, which is not that close, but yeah, walk to, um, swim team, the grass, lots of popsicles, lots of watching TV. Um, <clears throat> those icy things. Yeah. The colorful ones. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the red, white, and blue ones. I never had those. Um, and then also I have this one gross camp memory and we lived in Iowa. So I must've been in kindergarten or first grade. Iowa. Yeah. We lived in Iowa for a couple of years. My sister was born there. So random. That is the most, I thought you've lived in Atlanta your whole life. Oh no. I was born in Virginia, lived in Florida, moved to Iowa, then back and then to Georgia. Why don't I know this about you? That's so weird. I was kind of young. I moved here in second grade. So we moved a lot when I was And then you stayed here. And then we stayed here. Okay. Um, but it was this outdoor, I'm a lot like Claire where I wasn't into the outdoors that much when I was young. And it was this outdoors Girl Scout camp and the bathroom soap was in a stocking. And I remember how grossed out I was that I was like wiping my hands with this stocking in between <laughs> it in a quarter potty. And I was so grossed out. Ugh. I have very few memories from that age. That was one of them. Um, but like staying up late. It's funny. The thing is Claire com- complains about now. Like, I'm so hot. I'm so hot. And I'm like, I must have been too, but that doesn't stick out to me. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I was in the pool all, all you know. Yeah. And we had a pool in our backyard, so we were in that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many. Being a kid, summer is so fun. It's so fun. You're just, you can't wait for it. And it's here. And you go on vacation. You like We'd always do one beach trip. Mm-hmm. And then I'd always go to New Jersey for a little bit and go camping with my aunt. Um, Down the shore? Yeah, to the boardwalk. Oh, that's so American. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah. So that those are the highs of the past two weeks, but there have been a lot of lows. Is it fun as a mom to recreate like summer magic with yes. your kids? Okay. Yes. Because like as an adult with no kids, it's just like, well, it's fucking hot. I guess we need to put a bottle of rose yeah, in the yeah. There's no like. Yeah, it is. You do get to like relive that and you do get to participate in like, ooh, summer is fun mm-hmm. and I get to do this stuff. Like going to the splash pad and like playing in the pool with them. That stuff is very fun. Um, but then you always get penalized for the fun. Like there's always a meltdown after cause it's like too much fun, <laughs> you know, that's just the ages we're at now. Um, but now that they're older, we are getting to do more fun things. Like, um, I was like, let's go to whitewater. Oh yeah. And Brian and I were joking cause we both grew up here. And if you grew up in Atlanta, you'll remember that when we were young, there were two kids that died from E. coli from going to whitewater 
And I think that was like a permanent stain on their PR (laughs) for a very long time. And I went back in high school and I was like, oh God, are we going to get E. coli? And you kind of just like, even as an adult, I'm like, okay, we're going to take our kids. And you think about how gross public pool. And you're like, how did this not happen more often with how many kids are like peeing and pooping? (laughs) But but yes, we're doing that and we're planning. um, I'm going to surprise the kids when we're in Vero for two weeks in July with like a night and a day at Disney World because it's two hours away and we're picking up my cousin in Orlando. And I was like, wait, if we're picking up in Orlando, maybe we just like do a night at the Wilderness Lodge that the kids loved and then we just spend the whole next day at Disney and drive. And I'm like, this is the fun stuff. They're going to freak out. Yeah. Is the Wilderness Lodge the um at the Animal Kingdom one? No. Oh. No, but there is like a camping component to it where oh. you're like, there's animals oh, walking around. Yeah. I remember staying at the Animal Kingdom Hotel and loving it as a kid. Yeah. We did the camping one when I was a kid and I listened to the Dixie Chicks. I got that as my, on a Walkman and that was my CD and that was my birthday present that year. And I got an electric razor for my legs, which I was so excited about. <laughs> and I'd walk around the house, electric shaving my legs and everyone's like, ew, your hair is coming off with it. You can't just like oh walk around. <laughs> I remember I had the hairiest legs and my mom would make me wear tights like whenever we dressed up and my hair would poke through it. And I was like, I just can't wait to be a woman and be able to shake. <laughs> Plot twist. Being a woman sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, my mom was like, once you start, you can't stop. And I was like, I don't care. Um, yeah. I remember all those core moments where like asking my mom for my first thong. <laughs> and I remember being like, you mean those underwear that go up your butt? <laughs> yeah. Little did she know that would be your job. <laughs> Like years from now working at a panty company yeah um I remember asking funny. for my first bra because I was in fifth grade at Catholic school wearing our polos and the boys were looking at me laughing and I was like what they're like you can see right through your shirt I was like you know Aww. Molly Shannon when she put her arms like under her arm I was like that the rest of the day and I was like I need a bra now and my little buds were just <laughs> right through my polo I used to wear two bras in middle school to make my boobs look bigger. Yeah, I had the water bra. Did you oh, ever you do did? that one? No, my yeah, no. The gel, and it got lumpy because I would wash it. Oh, and then my hair was orange because my mom would sun dye in. with boxed sun in yeah. and box dye. Yeah. Oh man, I love spraying that stuff. Bath and Body Works sun in spray. It was Bath and Body Works. Mine was. Oh, mine was just sun in. I think that was the brand. Mm-hmm. Remember the glitter roll-on from Bath and Body Works? Yeah, I do. What were, it was like apple blossom? I don't remember what. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was like a, the one that everyone had. It was like pear. Oh. Do you remember that one? Juicy pear or something? Let me look it up. It was green. Yes. Um. Wow, I'm really like in the 90s right now. Well, that's good. Early 2000s. It's, it's really come back. Um, whenever I walk past that store though, I'm like, I already have a headache. Just cher- Japanese cherry blossom. Oh yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. I remember that one very well. There was one that came out around Christmas every year. That smelled so good. I can't yeah, remember Yeah. It was kind it was of called. sweet smelling. Yeah. Um, I wonder if kids still like this. It was like roll on glitter. Do you um, even make that stuff anymore? I don't know. I hope for their sake they have something fun like that. But now they have Target. I don't ever remember going to Target as a kid. 
You no. can find everything there. Was Target around? Yeah, it was a thing, but I didn't have one, and we didn't have one when I was a kid. Yeah. It happened later in life. It must When have. I was in high school, I think. Yeah. I got, like, beatings. What I remember getting beatings. before then? I guess Walmart. There was this funny thing my sister sent me, and it was, like, conservative moms at Walmart. It's like, I'm scared. Is it safe here? Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> have you watched the Duggar documentary? No, we saw the preview for it last night before bed, and I was like, this is sickening. I don't know if I can. There's too many religious cult docs out there. I just finished the um, Hillsong one last night. Did you watch the other two? Remember I told you Uh -uh. about it? They parody the Hillsong guy in there. Oh, really? Yeah. It is monumentally fucked up. It makes me never want to darken the door of a church ever again. Okay, but what classifies a cult? Like, isn't essentially all organizations a cult at some point like what makes it different I mean that's like kind of like a philosophical question but I feel like when you are blind to like science and reality and you're following blindly which is what faith is (laughs) yeah like they it's kind of like you know Everyone has their own set of moral right and wrongs and rules that you follow for a society and in a religious organization, they give you those. So it's mm-hmm. almost like, um, but like they say soul cycles kind of a cult. Yeah, I mean. I looked up one called The Class. Have you heard of that? It's like Emma Stone, Naomi Watts were all Oh, that. yeah. I, yeah, it's like Tracy Anderson method. Yeah, except I downloaded a free week and it was weird. Really? They were like, uh, you have to do these like weird exhales that are very sexual oh and there's God. like this I could never do that it was odd yeah it was like it felt very um personal I was like I don't I feel like I'm interrupting something by watching you ew weird I hated it I yeah. only lasted two classes <laughs> I couldn't do it well speaking of therapy um My topic this week is going to be about how I'm starting, like restarting therapy and I'm going to a new therapist and what made me want to do this was that after Jamie's episode um, talking about her experience with OCD, I had, um, I don't know if a breakdown is the right word, but I just... I think you had a breakthrough. Breakthrough, Yes. Breakdown to breakthrough. <laughs> yeah, I think you had a breakthrough. Um, where I looked at her, and I, when she was describing, I was listening to her, and I'm like, God, she feels like lighter. It feels like these impossible things that she had learned to live with aren't impossible things you have to learn to live with. Yes. And um, these personal- these things that I thought were personality traits and you aren't personal. I was like, oh, yeah, she's like kind of the dark cynic. I can still be a dark you cynic. You can, but it's not your, it's not the overwhelming personality factor in yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Like we don't, and to me, I'm the anxious mom and it's like become a joke. Oh, you look like you've lost weight. Oh, anxiety. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of <laughs> sick, right? And I'm like out to dinner with our kids and a friend and I was like, it is a farce that we have kids, right? Like we're being told to do this stuff and it's awful, right? And I'm like, 
okay, luckily I found someone who agrees with me, but like, I don't want to always be that person who's complaining about it. That's so funny that you say that because last week I told Connor after our episode, I was like, cause I, in, in the episode I talk about what like a crisis I am. And I told him later, I was like, you know, I don't always want to be a crisis. Yeah. At some point I want to be able to just be able to not just to handle myself. Yes. And like, yes learn to learn like I'm a tough fucking bitch that thing you posted the other day like we'll always get through it because you're a tough fucking bitch and you'll do what you need to survive yeah Yeah. like like can I just embody that a little more Mm -hmm. anyway you don't need to be so I was telling her I was like my personality trait shouldn't be the anxious perfectionist mom and like typecast yourself yes Mm -hmm. and I realized that in you and I recognized something in me that I need to do more work. And, um, so I scheduled the appointment, almost thought about canceling it three times because I go, it's almost like bipolar where I'm like in the lows of it. And I'm like, I hate this so much. I need help. I want to get out. And then I'm fine. I don't, or so I think, yeah, Yeah. I'm like, Oh, well I can, I'm, I'm like, I'm okay functioning. So, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of work, you know, kind of like what Connor was saying where you're like, kind of nervous before the first appointment it's normal yeah um and so and it's money I'm like okay here I go I'm starting out this uh investment it's an investment (laughs) um but it was good the first session is an hour and a half so I'm looking at this like the before (laughs) and hopefully a couple episodes from now I'll be able to share the after um it might take more than a couple well, we're taking off June. So. Oh, or July. Yeah. yeah surprise. <laughs> Summer break. <laughs> we're not going to be here in July. We're going to be eating hot dogs and popsicles. So yeah, and we'll watching back. Matlock. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it started off with her, you know, doing this spiel about all the things that they need to cover themselves with and, like, what the process will look like. And um, she... Uh, suggested two different types of therapy that she'd be, mm. we'd be using. And it was mm-hmm. CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, which we've, I'm very familiar with, but probably not able to describe accurately. But it's like working with your thoughts, like recognizing them as a separate entity and like talking yourself through it, whatever. And then the other one was ACT. Mm-hmm. You know, I had never heard of that. It's like action and commitment. Um, and it's, she kind of described it, but then I researched it a little bit more last night. And it's about recognizing these like deep feelings that you have, letting them pass, like not needing to fix it to like, because sometimes that can dig your anxiety more where you're like, just stop, just go away. Okay. I have to talk. You're fine. You're going to do this. You're going to, and so it's just recognizing that and that some feelings like that are appropriate for the time that you're feeling it. And knowing that it will pass. So where I struggle is when I feel that, I'm like, well, this isn't going to pass. I must be in depression. Oh, I must be a terrible mom. Like Ollie had a couple meltdowns. I'm a bad mom. I can't handle my child. I maybe shouldn't have had two kids. Like I take it deep and dark. And I told her my goal is to the ups and downs of parenting that happen a lot. I can't get out of the downs. Mm-hmm. I focus a lot on the, the hard parts of parenting and can't move on from that. I can't have a bad day 
and know that tomorrow's a new day and it will get better. And look, they're kids. They're not robots. They have bad days. They will get, it's not a reflection of you. I need to solve every behavioral problem with them, quote unquote problem. Um, Does she have kids? I didn't ask, but I did look her up on Facebook. <laughs> and I think I saw a kid in her photo. Yeah. Um, and so the guy who founded ACT said, we live in a culture that it tends to be dedicated to the idea that negative emotions need to be fixed, managed, and changed. So the book that I talked about on a previous episode called The, the Happiness Trap yeah, yeah, is yeah. all about ACT. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with ER. It's like kind of a sister to ERP. Yeah, it kind of seems like that. It's just like getting comfortable with the negative emotions and learning that it's okay to have them. Yeah, yeah. And I think like we as children, I, I think maybe you've talked about this. Yeah, Dr. Becky was talking about how our generation. age group of, of, yeah, generation had negative um, we weren't taught episodes taken away from us. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so we never got to like feel the feels of a hard day because it was like, well, how can I make this better for you? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you didn't make the team. Well, let's, let's find something else that you'll like. Like, let me take this sadness away from you and find, oh, you weren't invited to this sleepover. I'm going to make a sleepover for you tonight. Like things all good intentioned, Things that I recognize I'd probably do for Claire because you never want to see your kids sad. Mm -hmm. But it's not joining them where they're at and letting them know it's okay to feel that. Yeah. Or on the flip side, you have a parent that tells you to get over it all the time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Where like my parents weren't interested in fixing immediately my problems. They just told me to get the fuck over it. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't like – that tells you that like, okay, what I'm doing right now is incorrect. So I need to get over it. So anything below this threshold – is bad. Yeah. And you grow up with that mentality and then you develop anxiety Mm -hmm. and you're like overtaken by it because you weren't ever taught how to deal with it. Deal with it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the benefit of our generation now and working with ourselves and recognizing it and hopefully being able to pass those tools to our children. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I always think about that. Like if I ever have kids, I hope I'm able to be like, you feel sad? Oh, that's okay. You will, because you were given the tools. You know yeah, how to. Yeah. My friend that I just had coffee with was saying um, it actually helps her um, to, the things she's telling her daughter actually help her to in return. Totally. Things, I totally see that. Yeah. The things we do for our children aren't things we do for ourselves. Like the things we need to make a priority for our children, we never do for ourselves like if I know that Claire needs to go outside for like 30 minutes a day to have fresh air why can't I prioritize that for myself um and so it was good we laid out the goals which for me was I want structure I want work I want to put in hard work on this I don't want this to be a place where I come to and complain about a bad event that happened to me or you know a bad day Mm -hmm. and why I always end up leaving therapy is because I feel like I have to come up with topics to talk about Mm -hmm. and that's when I'm like okay I'm probably done and then I'm not truly you're not going there beneath the surface exactly and I told her I want she said we're going to be listing values things that are important to me um and uh like digging through like what those actually mean and how are there patterns to this when you experience these feelings and working through like how to know when there is a pattern and um 
she was saying like, I told her I want to know the biological reason why I am that way that I am. Why am I, why am I acting like this? What's happening in my body that, that I'm acting like this? Do other people act like this? What is this called? Like, and she's like, okay, it seems like curiosity is a value of yours, which it is. And then at one point I said, um, I want to go back to work and I haven't been able to in a bigger way because I won't give control of childcare over to anyone else. And, um, <coughs> and she was saying, and I was like, and I struggle because I, feel like I'm a feminist but I feel like that's at odds with being a housewife oh I hate that word and she's like okay I think we need to write out what a feminist looks like to you and what being a housewife looks like to you and see if they're actually at odds like so digging deeper instead of saying no they're not you're fine like why do you feel this way yes Mm -hmm. um she said there's going to be a lot of structure there's going to be agendas which I appreciate it the open end and and endedness the Mm -hmm. open and yeah that of therapy is always overwhelming to me and that's why I get nervous before meetings is because I'm like oh what are we going to talk about what and so that I appreciate that um she's like I'm going to send you a lot of handouts afterwards she already sent me one on cognitive distortions Mm -hmm. um yeah she had me do self-assessment tests at the end and as I was taking them I was like, I know I need help because I recognize that how I'm feeling by answering these aren't the way that I should be. Like, you know, I hate to use a should statement, but I recognize that like answering these the way that's honest to me is someone that needs help because. Well, what's going to be interesting is that she'll probably review them with you mm-hmm. and she'll give you a score and then she'll tell you what the normal score is. Mm. And to me, that was amazing for me because it was like, here's a normal person's score of normal thinking patterns. Yeah. Here is yours. It is quadruple what a normal person's is. See, that's not going to be surprising to me. I just feel like it validates. It does. The I fact that, yeah. you know, like I'm not crazy. I have a distorted thinking pattern yeah taking the quiz made me realize that though because it was like if I don't act on something and something bad happens it's my fault and I'm like yeah Yeah. and it asks you like that question in three different ways and Mm -hmm. by like the third way it was like if something violent happens and you haven't or if something violent happens it's your fault or like if some you can't protect something violent it's your fault and I'm like yes and the, especially the OCD one where it was like, um, it talked about obsessions and then compulsions and the obsessions are like you envision like violent things happening and you can see them happening in your head. And I'm like, yes, for a split second, I couldn't find Oliver in our house and I envisioned him lying on the top of a pool. Like if I like was at a, thoughts. yes, if I was at a light and I'm like, what if I just turn right right now and someone smashed into my car and like I can envision what it looks like for that, like I told her, like, since becoming a parent, it's almost like I have postpartum anxiety that has never been um, diagnosed and worked on because I scan the periphery of every single thing we do and think of every bad thing that could happen and have each episode play out in my head. And if something bad were to happen, like, yeah, I'm prepared. But then I feel like if I don't do that and something bad happens, then I'm like, 
I should have thought of this. Yes. And so what did she say when you said that you feel like you have some postpartum anxiety? Oh, she, it was really interesting. So she was saying when you're, when you give birth, you're automatically, your brain is rewiring to Mm. care for this child in a way that you get some of that, some of that, like, because I told her, I'm like, I since Claire was born, start thinking ahead of like, oh, she's in the stroller and the sun's coming down. I need to put down the thing so the sun isn't in her eyes and makes her uncomfortable. Oh, her feet are going to get cold. So I need to make like, it's, um, you're in like overdrive. Oh, it's in overdrive. And for some people that can, yes, Mm. for some people it can regulate for some people it doesn't. And she's like, and you went through that two times. Cause I was like, the second kid is what threw me over. Mm. I was able to, because you never recovered. Yeah. And she was like, we do a terrible job of maternal health in this country. And so God, people will come to me in a year and a half after having their kid and say, like, I don't know why I'm still experiencing this. And she's like, it's because it went untreated. It doesn't just always go away. My God, it's so interesting. Yeah. So help knowing the biological factor of that helped. Um, and so... She also, I told her about um, when both kids are home, why I ended up sinking usually into a depressive state is because, okay, Ollie asks me for a snack. And I'm like, okay, well, breakfast was just an hour ago. He really didn't eat anything on his plate. I should be like making sure he eats what's on his plate or should I be giving him things he likes instead of forcing him to eat things he doesn't like? Oh, the snack is kind of sugary. Is he going to get in a bad mood after he eats a sugary snack? Why won't he eat things that are less sugary? Why, like, should I give it to him now or will it make him not hungry for lunch? Like, I have a lack of confidence Mm. and, like, decision paralysis with, like, every little bit of decision-making that comes along with parenting. Did you tell her this? Yeah, I, like, went through that example. And I was like, that is just my thought process around him asking me for one snack. All day long. I want to listen to this song on the radio. It's my turn to listen to this song. But he's playing with this toy. And it's my turn to play with this toy. When are we going to go do this? When are we going to watch this show? Like, so there's constantly questions being asked of me that I don't, I can't confidently be like, let him go first and then you can go. Or stop. Like, I can't, there's too much going on in my head. So by the end of the day, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you don't have like decision um, fatigue it's like decision burnout or something where she's like you are you just like can't make a decision anymore because you are not even like present present yeah and um, it leads to a spiral of me thinking I'm a bad parent I get hard I'm really mad at myself for not being able to have confidence or I was like I used to be in New York styling celebrities having to make spur of the moment decisions I was 22 years old like at a Met Ball fitting by myself like what happened to this person who was so confident and now is I'm just flailing yeah and um she said you have a lot of perfectionistic tendencies you envision okay what would be the perfect snack for him to have a great relationship with f- food in the future. And like, and she's like, you know, you have, you talk a lot about being stressed out about this time when they're in school from nine to one. 
trying to get every, like make the most efficient use of your time. Like it's this puzzle that you need to sort out. And she was like, it's not, there's no such thing as like the perfect way to do all of this and you never achieve it. So you're hard on yourself knowing it could be done. You're just not able to do it. Like, why aren't you capable of doing it? And so that was an interesting point because we had the perfectionism episode and I felt like I could relate to it, but I was like, I'm not a perfectionist because I'm not oh, you tidy. Are. I'm not, yeah. But in my head, a perfectionist is like... Someone who looks like they're put together or... Who looks like they're put together and... But acts, I think aiming, prefer, it's the aiming for perfection. Which I didn't understand. Yeah. See, that's, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like a life-changing concept. It is. Think about it. It is. And I realize that's why like, hosting my kids birthday parties hosting any get together pretzels at christmas it's hard because i have this you build up this vision of what it should be yeah and then i never reach it um and so a lot of good came out of it and i'm really excited about um diving in and doing this because this is awesome for you yeah i do too i do too i don't um i weirdly am already like well, if she comes back and tells me I'm OCD. <laughs> How hilarious would that be? I mean, I mean, kind of scary. Yeah, because, but the part, I wouldn't be surprised at this point because it feels like when I was filling that out, this might be a trigger warning for people who um, like gun violence, but like I have, I came home after our episode And I like listed my triggers on the left side and my compulsions on the right. And a big trigger of mine is feeling like myself or a member of my family and especially my kids are going to get shot. Mm. And I walk into every space we go into and think, I'm going to start crying. What is my, where are we going to hide when someone comes in to shoot us? Like um, at my kid's school, You're going to make me cry. My kid has an air tag on their backpack. And when I leave, when I drive away from her, it's to track her on the bus so I know where she is and if she's close. But when I leave, it says, you left Claire's backpack behind. And I have this immediate visceral, like, nausea that hits me because I'm like, what if that's the... If something happens to her at school and, like... That is what I, this notification of leaving her behind is what I, is what I see. And, um, and so what I feel like I have to do, my compulsion to stop that anxiety is to call my senators and to call my reps and do everything I can to change gun legislation. And if I don't do that, if I don't attend the rally, if I don't, email them then it's my fault if my kids get shot so like that's a huge one and so I don't I didn't realize that OCD is um like you're controlling your anxiety by your actions so if you don't do this compulsion the anxiety doesn't stop and it won't be cured that's exactly what it is yeah 
And so another one is like, I've had this feeling I'm going to fuck up my kids. Mm-hmm. And I have so much information now and education, all of us do, on how formative these younger years are. So if you're not saying the exact right, um, like, quote or story or script for how to handle this certain behavior, then you're going to emotionally scar your child. And so I see a behavior in my kid and I automatically, okay, um, I start researching. I buy every parenthood book. I listen to every podcast. I need to reach out to every resource to be like, how can I fix this behavior? And if the behavior is lingering and I don't do anything about it, then I'm fucking up my child. So um, I, I truly don't remember having any of this um, until I had kids. Mm-hmm. I would have social anxiety where like if I had to go to a party and I didn't know anyone, I would be anxious and like sometimes I'd I'd be like, why doesn't anyone want to talk to me? What do I even talk about? Why aren't I cool? Like, I'd have that kind of social anxiety. But I never had the fear of death um, that I have now. This is interesting to me because when I had my OCD flare-up, it was right after I had met Connor, mm-hmm. someone who I'd like – like, I, I treasured – our relationship deeply and um I think that I became obsessed with with losing it Mm -hmm. it's like you have children you love them deeply you become obsessed with the possibility of losing them yeah when I first met Brian I was convinced that he would get cancer and die it's the same thing yeah I'm convinced now too like I have this horrible fear that I'm going to die and leave my children like you try so hard not to fuck them up and then something like can happen that's not in your control that fucks them up and so they're called adverse childhood events AC is like an ACE score and people that have like um, addict parents people Mm -hmm. whose parents die early um, that kind of stuff can change the the course of their of their life and so um any ache I feel, which was again part of the assessment, if you remember, it was like if you're so in tune with your body that any sensation you notice any sensation or difference. I'm like, yes. Um, you feel like that sensation is an illness. I'm like, yes. You go to the worst case scenario with that. And I'm like, yes. Would you trust a doctor if they told you what it was? And I like wasn't at the point where I didn't trust them. But I was still like kind of skeptical. Um, and yeah, and it's, I think it all is rooted back to this anxiety around loving something so much that you know something, it can't, it feels too good to be true. Like, why wouldn't I have cancer? Why wouldn't I have this? Because everything's too good right now. Yeah, no. And you have too much to lose. Mm-hmm. And so I'm rereading Untamed. Um, I gave it one of the perks of our new little library is that I was in there with a friend and she was like, saw on the shelf and she was like, I haven't read that. Is it good? Of Untamed? Untamed. I was like, you need to read it. Every woman should read it. You have a similar childhood as I do. I think, like, I think you're going to become probably like a raging feminist after reading it. But I do feel like it's life changing. And she gave it back to me after two weeks and was like, oh my God, this is so good. Mm -hmm. 
And one part that I was rereading last night made me think about exactly what I just said and exactly what you just said. And it's the ache. And it was why she started binging and purging at a young age and why she became an addict in her older age. And it's because... Glennon Doyle. Glennon Doyle. And it's because she recognized that life is so hard and so... um, you don't have control over life Mm-mm. to a certain extent. You can't control getting cancer. You can't control your grandmother not dying. And so she felt like she had a one up on life by binging and purging because she could control it. And then after she threw up, she would lie on the ground in complete exhaustion and feel like, I don't feel anything anymore. And that's why she became a, an alcoholic is because she became numb to life. So she was like, ha ha. I don't feel any of it. I've anyone that's close to me, I've burned that bridge. So I don't have to get close enough to them to experience loss or I'm just going to go ahead and fuck this relationship up now so that I don't screw it up down the road. Cause that's inevitably what's going to happen. And she called it the ache. And it was this feeling she started to feel where it was like, life is scary and life is unknown and it's something I can't control. So I'm not going to like, I'm going to find my way to control I'm it. I'm not going to engage yeah, in life. Yeah, exactly. And her therapist said, you're already half dead mm-hmm. by doing this. And she realizes, you know, she became sober and her grandma was dying. And that was always her big fear when she was growing, when she was young, was that I can't handle this. And she realized in the we could do hard things. The we is every single person who has loved and lost. Every single person that has experienced pain, we're all in this moment together because we all suffer. We all suffer and we can't avoid it because it's part of life and being able to engage in life is experiencing the great moments, but also the hard moments. And she calls it when we're in pain, we know like a reawakening is going to come. We have to sit with our feelings. We have to feel it all because that's part of life. And when we feel that pain, we have to know that this is not forever. I will get out of this and something good will happen after this. Um, The pain of her divorce led her to this awakening of recognizing all of this, like of experiencing a life to her that was beautiful, of finding Abby, like the pain of coming out of being an alcoholic made her fresh and exposed to all of the feelings that life has to offer. And so, um, I just, yeah, I think that as someone who is depressed and anxious, (laughs) we can do hard things is something to strive for because you feel weak Mm -hmm. Um, you feel some of us are just extra sensitive to life mm-hmm, and that totally. can make you feel, um, like you're not doing it right. But what she talks about is no, you're doing it right because life is hard. You're, you're present enough to recognize how hard it is. <laughs> um, and so the ache that she describes, I think is, something I'm experiencing and I become numb to it by keeping myself busy. Um, and when I'm doing a million things, I'm not able to think about hard stuff. And when the hard stuff hits, I get enveloped, engulfed in it. Um, 
because I haven't addressed it and been able to work through it. So, um, I think, yeah, I'm excited and I'm excited to put in the hard work to deal with this because I told her, like, I don't want to be a miserable parent. I don't want to only complain about how hard this is. I do recognize the beautiful moments, which is how I know I'm not depressed, but I want to be able to move, to recognize the hard, but not only the hard, Mm. you know, I need to like also then be able to move on to joy. And so not only the hard should be the title (laughs) of this episode. Yeah. So I'm super proud of you. Thanks. Um, you have to be so self-aware to, I think, embark on this kind of if anything, I think I have too much self-awareness because I, the well, fact that you can fill out all of these things I've known about myself for a long time. And I'm sure you probably recognize some of this, but I think I'm able to cover it up well. And she said a lot of postpartum anxiety and depression goes untreated because you have to keep going. You can't. There's no option for you You can't to stop. lie in bed. Right. Because you're a parent. Because you have. Yeah. So then they're like, oh, I guess I'm not that depressed because I'm not in a dark room for 12 <laughs> I hours. I have kids. I would be. But I would be. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm excited to hear about how it goes and the things that you learn mm-hmm. and your coping mechanisms and mm-hmm. um, the one thing my therapist did say to me when I started working with her is that like some t- like like there were times when I was going through therapy this year where I felt like euphoric about how well I was doing yeah in a way that I'd never felt before mm-hmm. and then the next week I would feel kind of bad hmm. and I think that's a normal thing is to have ups and downs in this yeah um because you're gonna feel a difference it's gonna be crazy yeah it's it's going to be like super empowering for you, I think. I think so too. Yeah. But I think that, you know, that like p- people say it all the time, growth isn't linear. Yeah. But it's yeah. so true. Like you think you're going to start something and it's going to be like this. And in reality, it's like kind of more Just of how a, life is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's going to have ups and downs. But I think like the recognizing of the – You recognizing your own barriers to the life you want to live, I think, is humongous for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it takes it takes a while to get there because as self-aware as we both are, Mm -hmm. as like self-obsessed kind of as we both are, it's taken us 30 some years to like really address it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think it's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, You want to do uppers? (laughs) What? <laughs> just reminded me of when you <laughs> said uppers in our. Oh, yeah. Le- I'm like, so. I guess we got to nail uppers. I can't believe you did that. You didn't tell me about that. Oh, I didn't? No. Yeah. After. So after the episode with Jamie, when she, you know, shared her OCD story, I w- had a hard time here. And then I went home and I start. Brian was like, how did recording go? And I'm like, well. I want to share it with you, but I don't, I know what you're going to say. And he was like, what? And so I just like started going into 
how what you had said and then how I had had some self-realizations because in my head I thought he was going to say so you're telling me you have OCD you're trying to tell me like I thought he would come out and say that but actually that's uh I said that yesterday to my therapist something along those lines not that situation she was like that's called mind reading that's how that's when like you think you know what the other person is going to say so you don't even bother saying it when in reality you have to say it because they might not always behave the way you think they will uh but I went through essentially what I just said in this podcast with him about just the intense anxiety I have around me dying or the kids dying or him dying and the ways in which it could happen and just the amount of anxiety I feel with parenting in general and it felt so cathartic to just get it all out there to him because I realized so much of the dialogue I have is in my head um and not to him like little bits here and there um but yeah so then I went and started heavily researching OCD as one does to make themselves uh feel better about things which Um, is a compulsion yeah (laughs) (laughs) who knew that was my number one was researching yeah I needed I needed to fix it or understand it or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. solve it um and so um I could what I wanted to find was like OCD with parent like becoming a parent or like parental OCD but everything I was finding was like how to parent a kid with OCD so I through my copious research too around OCD which is a compulsion um there's not a ton of information out there about this yeah so it's kind of like that's why that's why I think it's so hard for a like a general, like if, if you're in talk therapy, I think that's so hard to like get, you have to find a specialist yeah, that deals with like this obsessive behavior because it's just not really that explored. Yeah. Everybody still thinks it's about washing your hands 10 exactly. times. Exactly. Exactly. It's just not that. And I didn't have, I don't have a com- obsess- obsession with germs or contaminants or. That's just a subtype. Yeah. Um, and I think anxiety so anxiety has a huge overlap with OCD and I think I just thought I was very anxious mm-hmm. um so so I thought that my whole life yeah. yeah and granted I haven't like been diagnosed or anything but it just um it's just yeah. starting to make a little bit of sense yeah I think yeah yeah more sense than it has than it has yeah um so should we do uppers <laughs> A should we do uppers? <laughs> do you want to go first? Do you have um, one? Okay. Um, I read a really good book in 24 hours. Whoa. Yeah. What is it? I tend to stay up till like 2 or 3 in the morning if I need to finish a book. Rachel, you, how do you live? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called Romantic Comedy by Curtis what is it called romantic comedy? romantic comedy oh it's, you posted about that i saw it it's about a female writer for the night owls but it's snl oh and they go through the ins and outs of her life as a comedy writer cute and she writes a skit that's about her office mate another writer very pete davidson like who 
is engaged after like four weeks to one of their guests who's an A-list celebrity. That's so Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. And Ariana Grande. Oh, I was thinking uh, Kim Kardashian. But but Ariana. They yeah. were engaged. Yes, yes. And, um, and about the double standard of how these like subpar men can land these celebrity women, but you'd never hear of like a female writer landing like a top but and then one of the guests is like a musical guest but also there for the he's like both I don't know what you call it and then they kind of start a thing but she keeps self-destructing because she's like this can't happen like you're an attractive man what are you doing with me and so it was it was a story like that um it was really good it's a I love and I just read Pineapple Street which is really good too um Ever since you brought up Demon Copperhead to me, I've been obsessed with with wanting to read it. I'm yeah. on the I'm on the waitlist, the 176th waitlist for a library. I think I'm just going to buy it because I feel like it, I feel like it's going to be an instant. I'll split it with you. I think it's going to be an instant classic. Yeah. So you haven't read it. Mm-mm. I'm obsessed with the name. Yeah. And it's I not love what that you think Demon is, is going to be. I like I just love that. Isn't that the kid's name? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, Demon Copperhead it's not is about his name, snakes. right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's about not a, a boy. Mhm. Um, I want to read that. I also put uh, Love in the Time of Serial Killers. Okay, the vast difference between our book opinions, it was not lost on me. (laughs) Mine was like Five Star Weekend, Elon Hildebrand, Cape Cod Getaway, Love on the Beach. And yours is like... Which is the story of (laughs) Burning at the Stake. Yeah. (laughs) The Trial of Witches. And yeah... I, I like love a spooky read. I need to get away. See, I, I see that's the difference between you and me is that like I could I devour murder content. Not me. I love it. As someone who's anxious, how do you do that? I fucking love it. I don't know why. I don't know. I do not know. Like I listened to a podcast by myself in the car all the way down to Florida last month about a woman who was found decapitated Mm-mm. And drained of her blood. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. That was like, I was all about that. Oh my God. I guess my upper is. Fuck. Going to the beach for the 4th of July. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> That's like a month away. Honestly, my upper is this fucking weekend because I know that some meetings will be out of the way yeah. Yeah. that I have going on this week that are like very top of mind for me okay something to look forward to yeah congrats you made it to the end of our show if you liked it please share it with your friends and leave a review if you didn't like it don't worry about it it will only cause us to spiral we also want to reiterate that we are not experts but please do call or text the people at the new mental health hotline at 988 because they are join in on the conversation on our Substack page at one fry short pot see you there